Right then, back with another episode of documenting the journey. Um, a few people said I should film this throughout the week so it's like up to date because I tend to forget what I'm actually talking about, what happened in the past week when I do it once a week, but I wrote down a few notes. I think it's a good way to do it. It's reflective for me, writing the notes down. It's fucking reflective doing it. And obviously looking back in like two, three years time, hopefully this series will be mad with some cult following and it'll get turned into the next Kanye documentary when I've made it big. But um, yeah, a bunch of shit to go through. Episode eight, uh, I suppose July the 1st today. So just a load of fucking invoices for the month came in. I like the start of a new month because it just feels like fresh start, fresh time to prove myself. Viewing things on a monthly basis is definitely like where I, like weekly is relevant, but 30 days a month is what I'm really looking at, like trailing numbers, all that sort of shit. June was very frustrating in summary, as I kind of spoke about, with a lot of shit that broke, um, primarily Instagram going down for a week. That was a nightmare, learned from it had my bank account say I was spending too much money which I tweeted about um again never seen that before so nothing was going through ads wise for again like a few days so completely killed momentum on that because anyone running ads at scale knows momentum is key when you're stopping and starting it kills data that was super frustrating um but I guess learned massively from it I just did a shareholder update for my investors this morning sent it to them at like half nine and that's one of the things I said you just you know issues like that I'd never had an issue with an Instagram account getting taken down for that reason now I have we learned from it never had a bank account stopping me spend my own money but now we have we learned from it we, we changed things we've got a new account opening somewhere else very soon and I went through and did something very boring but probably very useful for a lot of e-com founders and just did like a full risk analysis of what could go wrong that would fuck up the business mainly that would fuck up the business majorly and what to do with like three different options in each case. So for example, obviously one being for me, ad account goes down, like fix number one was we need to switch to monthly invoicing. Fix number two would be like, have a rep on hand. We didn't have a rep, the account's new, the whole BM super new, all that sort of shit. And just going through everything in the business that could cause major, major issues. Because in the past as well, and even now it's like, I feel like almost the biggest thing that's going to stop this from being successful is is like major disasters along the way rather than just the brand never making it and not producing good enough content, not produce, producing good enough products. I feel like that stuff, if I'm, if I'm consistent, like right now, I feel like it is good enough. Like the results are there, stuff's doing well. Product feedback's great. The brand looks sick in my opinion. Um, the content we're pumping out is some of the best I've seen from a new brand. I think credit to the people that are making it, mainly Brad. But avoiding major issues, you know, that's the thing that's going to trip me up and has tripped me up in, in June. And yeah, just being aware that like, if we can avoid all that and know what to do when that happens, for example, ad accounts, Instagram going down, you know, worst case scenario, what happens if the website goes down, like everything like that, just covering all bases. And just, yeah, kind of having like a, almost like a fucking war sheet. Like if this happens, this is what we do. If that doesn't work, we do this, you know, so everything's covered and I've considered every scenario because I think for a lot of people in e-com, it's, particularly in newer brands and newer stuff where you're getting set up you don't necessarily have reps you don't have history on an account etc etc that is what's going to kill you rather than just not being good enough like generally in my opinion um, obviously you need to be good as well and like stuff needs to perform but for me if I can avoid major disasters I feel like as long as I'm consistent then it's going to work so yeah that, that's, that's one thing June was frustrating um, another thing I'm really trying to do at the minute is hire a full-time person for performance content manager, which I've called it, which is basically managing all the content coming in, like UGC, TikTok creators. Again, I've tweeted about this. I've been kind of doing it myself before and I literally just haven't had the time to stay on top of it properly. And, and even when I have been doing it, it's not been done to the best of 
you know, as, as well as it could be. So I'm trying to hire someone full time now for that. But hiring is not my strong point at all. I mentioned that in the previous episodes. I looked at working with a recruiter that my mates have referred to me. Not sure about recruiters. I've worked with them in the past. Fee's going to be like seven grand for like a 30 grand a year job, which plus that, which is quite a lot, I think. And maybe using a recruiter at this stage, I feel like I'm hiding away from the opportunity to get better at hiring myself by just, you know, grunt work, figuring out a system to do it and obviously just going through the motions, interviewing, reviewing CVs, all that sort of shit. So I think I'm going to do it myself. Um, Had a bunch of good applications on LinkedIn. It's just, I've been getting like advice from mates that are much better at hiring, i.e. everyone I fucking know is much better at hiring than I am. And just really trying to build out like a replicatable system, you know, step one, step two, interview, task, whatever it is, culture fit, all this sort of stuff. I think for me, hiring, I just get massive imposter syndrome, to be honest. And again, I've spoke about it on, on the pod in previous episodes of this. And I just need to get the fuck over it because I'm not going to get to a big scale where I want to be without a good team. And hiring new people, especially, because like Brad, for example, who does all the creative stuff for me, I've worked with him for years. So like, that's fine. Once I've got someone I know and I trust and we get on well and we work well together, it's great. But it's hiring new people. But at the end of the day, it's a big hurdle I've got to get over. So that's another thing I'm working on. Part-time FD, Simon, has started. Um, he pumps out like this mad excel model of the entire business it took like a week to do that and it's like a five-year plan you know hypothetically with the unit economics being as they are you know certain key assumptions like we're dropping new products like payroll getting more expensive all this sort of shit it basically just shows you know if we spend this much on marketing if we invest this much in xyz this is what could happen um and it's like super super granular shit that i would never even know where to start with and stuff that like a standard accountant wouldn't do so the setup there is like, well, we've obviously got an accountant that does all the statutory stuff about returns, you know, standard filings, P&Ls, all that sort of shit, like end of year filing. But then he does the more like strategic planning shit. So he'll do management accounts as well in like really rigorous detail and much quicker than my accountant would have done it before, which is always a problem. But he'll also do things like budgeting and I guess mainly scenario planning and like investment potential planning. So you know, working out with that model and other stuff, you know, if we were to raise 2 million quid, let's say in six months time, when we've hit 2 million in revenue, for example, what would we actually do with that money? You know, what does that look like as an investment narrative? If a PE fund comes in, all that sort of shit. So yeah, he's in place. Um, I've written down bullet points of the main things. So I'm probably rambling, but I made the decision. I've, I've had a bunch of different products in the pipeline, like since before I launched and since launch. Um, a gummy and another flavor, another powder product that were like fully sampled, fully done, like ready to go. But I've made the decision to focus entirely on the rainbow dust powder skew and the one flavor, so literally one skew for now. And rather than building out, rather than dropping like new entire products, i.e., a gummy, you know, another flavor, another category altogether, like a sleep product, which is in the pipeline. For now, I want to focus on rainbow dust and build out accessories around that to just boost the AOV, encourage subscriptions, build out like a gift set. And the reason for that is just learnt from the past, trying to keep things simple. It's also less of a cash risk. You know, I know this product is working. Let's just double down on this. I'm pretty sure we could get to a million a month just in the UK, just selling chocolate rainbow dust. I really, really do. Um, especially when I add in a bunch of accessories. So I got a bunch of accessories that are in the works, like. I mean, this is a shit sample, so ignore this, but there's like a a really wavy, like pink gradient cup I've got in the works, which is going to look sick, kind of like a Starbucks style mug, all that sort of shit. Um, so yeah, I just think that makes more sense. 
feels like the obvious choice for me now. Maybe wouldn't have done in the past when I hadn't had such bad experiences with loads of SKUs quickly, which I'd done with my previous brands. Um, another thing, got number 20,000 units on the way. It's a big cash commitment, but at this point, you know, I know how quick we can scale based on the data I'm seeing. And if I don't have the stock, and if I'm not planning for stock ahead of time based on where I want to be, then, you know, quite quickly, if you run out of stock, we don't have a fucking business, right? So obviously stock planning is is hard. I've tried to get software to do it. It's easy with one SKU, which is why I'm intentionally keeping to one SKU for now. That's a big reason. But none of these softwares are really doing much for me so at the minute it's, it's just spreadsheet job to be honest um but yeah 20k units on the way working out better better i'm fucking speaking weird working out better payment terms with suppliers originally i was doing 75 percent up front now it's 50 50 then it went to 50 actually it was 50 50 on a recent order now it's gone to 50 percent, 50 percent with 30 day nets effectively the order goes to production with no payment for 30 days then it's 50 percent, and then 50 percent on delivery which is pretty good um i know a lot of I've seen on Twitter people speaking about like brands like Gymshark having like, I think it's negative cash flow cycles or something, cash conversion cycle, which effectively means they get to sell the product before they even pay the supplier, I think, something like that. That's probably something I'll look into more with the new FD that's come on board and probably have more of a, you know, more of a case to do that when, when we've been working with this supplier for longer. I think right now we're kind of having to play fair on both sides. It works for both sides. Um, another thing, got the Space Goods username on Instagram, finally. <laughs> that cost me a fair chunk as well. And I know it seems ridiculous just getting rid of Co, but I think, you know, in terms of brand IP, like I spent eight grand on the .com before we launched. Again, this might seem ridiculous. I and mean, we had the .co before, but it, I think it does matter long-term because you just want to fully own the brand. So got that on Instagram, finally got that set up yesterday evening, actually, which I'm pretty gassed about. I know it's a tiny detail, but got that sorted which is nice because um, yeah when you come to sell the business or raise more money it's, it's just owning the IP more basically so and Instagram's obviously a huge one still trying to get the TikTok I actually think I set up an account at Space Goods TikTok but I've forgotten the password and I can't get in trying to sort that out um, another thing kind of a boring thing but again something that I learned from the past I've got a full suite of business insurance now which I didn't have which might seem ridiculous launching a consumable product without all that so you know cover up to like I think 10 million quid plus for like um, basically anything that goes wrong Le- legal cover director's cover a big one being obviously like product liability cover which means that like someone gets ill taking the product and tries to sue us which I guess will happen at some point it's kind of inevitable that's all covered another thing about to do I mentioned on Twitter again like the Instagram was the thing that flagged it, it turned out that was because obviously one of the reels I posted had psychedelics in it had the word psychedelics so we basically had to remove that from all advertising and branding even on the website to an extent. It's kind of annoying because that was like the narrative I'm trying to push, but at the same time, got to play ball with these platforms because I, I need to have, I need to be running a business and generating revenue. So if I can't, you know, if Psychedelic gets in the way of that, I'm just going to have to remove that and play a bit play a bit more vanilla with it for now in terms of like just pushing the coffee angle, which does work as well, to be fair, but it's just kind of annoying when the whole mission of the brand was like long-term vision to like bring Psychedelics to the mainstream and stuff. But I think that's just going to have to take a back seat for now. So yeah, I've done all that. Supplier emailed me the other day saying they've had like 20 inquiries referencing space goods to them saying, can we effectively copy the products that they're telling me they're not accepting any new brands. But, you know, I think it's that is actually a compliment if people think the brand is worth ripping. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch 
for example, people doing the gradient packaging. I've not seen that before, like in this space. Um, but yeah, it's just a sign that what I'm doing is getting people's attention is good and is an early market. So kind of annoying, but yeah, it's just part of the game. I think it's going to happen with anything that is starting to do well. Um, what else is going on? So I guess like, and I tweeted about this again. I fucking tweet half the shit I say probably, but obviously pre-brand launch is really like focused on like creatives, like that 80 shoot we did, for example. I love doing that sort of stuff. But then you get into like the nitty gritty, like we're into month three now, as in like the start of the third, four months, like 10 weeks since we launched. And I, I need to just focus on what's working. And what's working is great quality UGC ads in the UK on Instagram, primarily right now. So, you know, there's no point doing another 1980 shoot, which is like a movie and get all excited about this stuff when actually the stuff that works is just basic shit that converts. So it's getting that balance right between like brand slash like vibe marketing or whatever and actually just stuff that fucking converts. I think Moyes Ali spoke about it and I agree wholeheartedly. It's like until you get to like 10 mil plus, brand marketing just isn't a thing. You need to be performance marketing. Like does this pound I put in get two pounds out effectively? rather than thinking, oh, you know, let's do this this whole campaign and this whole movie, kind of like the thing I launched with, the nothing exists until you create it vibe. Because that just doesn't drive sales. And it's cool to have, and it's definitely, I think that was worthwhile at the start because it made clear like what the aesthetic and vibe and like long-term brand mission was. But that's not the stuff that gets you sales. And like cash is king, revenue is king, obviously in the start, revenue and profit is king in the start and going forward of course but like I, I need to be more and more focused on that than anything else right now so yeah just focusing on what works which means that the process is slightly less creative and it can't always be super creative and fun and like visionary shit it just needs to be what fucking sells so that's ultimately what I'm focused on right now you know like 80-20 on everything what's working do more of that what's not working suck it another thing that I think is cool with ecom um and you know just always has been the case is that like overheads and team cost I think for me right now Granted, I want to hire this performance person and that'd be like five full-time people and a bunch of agencies right now, pretty much, I think. Four full-time people. Um, and I, I think that can stay, I think the overheads and team size can stay the same up to like a million a month in revenue. And that's the beauty of e-com because obviously like a lot of automation and a lot of leverage when you start to scale, obviously economies of scale with things like ad costs, you know, the same ad reaching a million people as opposed to 10,000 people. It costs you the same to make it, but it's going to drive a lot more revenue, all that sort of shit. So, that's one thing which I think is cool, which is why I'm keen to scale pretty quick because the profitability as a percentage actually will, well, ad costs will go up, but overheads will stay the same for me, pretty much, as we scale to like a million a month in like the next year, which is like the target really. Um, so yeah, just keen to scale because everything gets cheaper effectively, like percentages come down, like payment processing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, um, that's interesting. Future investment options and plans. And I've spoken about potentially getting another angel investor on at the minute. I mean, long story short on that, I think they want a price which isn't fair right now. Um, and I don't need the money. So <laughs> I don't know if they're watching this. I will do a deal with them just probably in a few months. And yeah, because obviously you've got angel investors on board for this, which is massively valuable already, by the way, particularly some of them, which are a bit more like time intensely involved. Um, just aside from the money, it's been massively valuable. But yeah, I am thinking about, you know, what what's the roadmap for future investment? Because it's a fine line between, you know, hypothetically, if I had 5 million quid in the bank right now, would we grow much quicker? In ways, yes, but in other ways, probably not. And it would just, we'd probably just waste more money. 
Um, so yeah, it's getting that balance right between do we need more cash to go quicker as soon as possible to reach that like 100 million revenue in like three, four years, which would be chaos as a goal. Or do I bootstrap a bit more, you know, maintain more equity, focus on profit, but be smaller scale. And it's a fine line, I think. Um, you know, in the past, I scaled too quick, obviously different business model. But with this, I think the benefit to scaling like really quick and trying to get it to like a million a month plus in like the next six to 12 months, which I think is a billion percent doable. Can I do that without further investment? Probably. Could I do it in six months if I got a bit more investment? Maybe, because I'd probably release more SKUs quicker, be slightly more aggressive with ad spend maybe. You'd hire maybe one or two more people, maybe more like more expensive people a bit sooner. So yeah, I've got options and plans for that. It's just right now trying to time it because I think I want to get six months under the belt of like progressively bigger and more profitable months every month for like minimum six months. And then I think there's a better case to raise more money probably from angels and stay away from like private equity and VCs for now, even though I'm getting emailed by those guys already because I think they probably track a lot of brands that look interesting. So yeah, I mean, right now, uh, that's 17 minutes already. I suppose, yeah, getting to grips with like how the business is running now. Obviously got a lot of data. Got like the first 4,000 customers now in like the first, I think it's 11 weeks actually, not 10 weeks, which is pretty solid going bunch of subscribers everything's moving the right way everything's growing and yeah just excited to keep doing it um i'm enjoying the trenches i think one of the reasons i spoke about wanting to do less of the podcast is because i feel like fuck there's such an opportunity here with the brand to like really do something special and big and really just uh, yeah i don't want to fucking miss that opportunity so i feel very much like all in on this like very fucking all in um i think doing this these weekly episodes is great for the YouTube. I will keep doing the pod. It's just not going to be every week in summary. I, th- I think that's, that, that's the best thing to say right now. But yeah, a lot going on. Probably, I'm probably rambling a fuckload in these videos. If, if you would prefer a better, if you want to see like certain things, I think I should do this differently. Write a comment. But for now, it's just bullet points, me chatting shit about what's going on the past week. And yeah, off to geek out this weekend. Apparently I'm speaking on a panel or something, which I got invited to by Rabber at Triple World. That'd be exciting and interesting. I'll probably be the smallest brand and least intelligent person speaking there by far, but um, always keen to do shit I've never done. So public speaking is one of them. If you're going, hit me up. I'm sure we'll see each other there and I'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers for watching. Peace.